Hello, my name is Carlos Freck, and I'm the Communications and Advocacy Manager at NAMI Racine County, and your host today. July is National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. This month highlights the unique challenges that ethnic minority communities face in regards to mental illness in the United States. In this episode, we're having a conversation with Shaboris Mays about these challenges, the role of stigma, and lack of cultural competency in this struggle, and more. Welcome to Compassionate Conversations, the podcast produced by the National Alliance of Mental Illness, Nami Racine County, discussing subjects related to mental health and mental illness. Hi, Chaboris, and welcome to Compassionate Conversations. Thank you, Carlos. Thank you for inviting me. Now, Chaboris, uh, let's get our audience to know you. And uh, would you mind introducing yourself? Absolutely. Hi, everyone. My name is Shabora Smays. I'm a licensed mental health and addiction therapist, and I do therapy all day. That might sound really odd, but yeah, I do it full-time. <laughs> I do it part-time in the evenings in my own private practice, so this is something I'm really passionate about. I'm also a member of the Racine community and the LBGTQIA plus community, so this is something that I love to do. And, and a newborn member to Naime Rosin County. Yes, I am. Congratulations. Thank on you that. so much. And I'm thank looking you forward. for your service to the community. <laughs> now, Shabori, um, despite the fact that minority communities in general present fewer cases of mental illness uh, than their white counterparts in the United States, the U.S. Department of Health indicated uh, that these are more likely to be untreated or mi misdiagnosed making the consequences of living with mental illness much more severe and permanent. Mm -hmm. So what would you say is, is the impact of mental illness in the community? And, and why this difference between uh, minorities and, and other uh, ethnic groups? Trust. That's the first thing when I read this question, Carlos, is trust. Trust in the medical field in general. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to post-slavery. It goes mm -hmm. back to... Um, when the LBGTQ was starting to, you know, require rights mm. for their care. So um, let's think back to, I'm not even sure if you're familiar with this, the, 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 the Tuskegee. Oh, Tuskegee, yeah. Yes, yeah, syphilis yes. experiment. Yes, yes, yes. You yes. know, Henrietta Frank, the opioid epidemic, and the people of color communities. Right. All these things are not just isolated events. Mm. So when... You are mistreated by people that you're, you think you can trust. Right. If I can't trust you with my body, why would I trust you with my thoughts? Wow, that's a very, that's I I, I guess I never saw that connection, but yes. yeah. So yes. so mm -hmm. it's interesting because then it gives us uh, the perspective that we need to change that situation. I mean that we need the public, I mean from the mental health uh, services community. Yes, absolutely. To start trusting that we want the best for them. Mm -hmm. wow. And judgment. Judgment is really big too, Carlos. People of color are unfortunately criminalized or judged when they seek out treatment. It's almost presented as if you're attention-seeking or medication-seeking. It's always like this underlining thing that you're trying to gain from getting these resources versus like, hey, this person is really screaming for help. They need services or, you know, they don't have any place else to go. So why do you keep coming up here and um, taking an extra step, like not just what the person is presenting with, but what else could potentially be going on that I can assist them with? 
Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so so trust will be the very first thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then within the community, how do you feel the community, the minority uh, communities um, feel about mental health or a mental illness uh, in, in general? Mental illness in particular, but um, maybe, I mean, there maybe. But besides the trust, what is the perspective that that you feel uh, minority communities feel about uh, mental illness in general? Mm-hmm. Based on my experience working with people of color, being a person of color, it's not something heavily talked about still, you know. And it's really unfortunate, but it's so much stereotype and biases that goes on with mental illness. Mm. It's either you were taught when you were younger, you have to pray through it. There's a lot of religion associated with it you pray through your problems or you're just too worried or you know um you go to your your doctors oh take this medication for but no Mm. one really talks about going through talk therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy Mm. things that will actually address the roots of some problem and teach you skills on how to manage your symptoms Wow. And, and I think that this is common to several groups, in yeah, fact. Absolutely, I mean, uh, absolutely. I, I'm Venezuelan. And this is why I have this southern accent. <laughs> and, and so uh, I, I do know that uh, within the Hispanic community in general, uh, there is certain reticence to, to mental illness. And mm-hmm. the, I, I remember growing up, and I'm not saying I'm. I, I grew up with an uncle who lives with uh, mental illness, and but um, there is certain idea of well, it's our issue; we, we solve it ourselves. Yep, uh-huh. and uh, you know what kinda, happens in my house stays into it my stays house. In my house yeah. But there's a lot of fear too. Remember, I told you the first thing I said was trust. You know, right. the idea that if I were to tell someone something that's going on, who else gets involved? CPS or Adult Protective Services, mm. all these services that can potentially be a threat to your family. So it's understandable why people wanted to keep it in their household because it's like, okay, now everyone's going to be looking at me. What did I do wrong? Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. Well, I, I guess I'm, 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 there's a lot in here that I just did not connect before, and I hope our audience is also making some connections yes, on, on absolutely. this. But now, so what do we do to, to try to fight against that. I mean, what, what, what are the challenges, would you say, that minority communities actually do face <clears throat> that other communities might not face? Unfamiliarity. Like we were just mm, talking about, if you're, right. you're raised to pray through things, which is also beneficial, you know, but prayer may also need to be connected with therapy and connected to medication management or mm. medical assistant treatment of some sort, you know, um, some community-based you know, programs where it's normalized, even within the churches or um, the halls. Mm. Like, hey, mental health is real. You know, your mental wellness needs to be something that is addressed regularly and normalized, you know, and not making it foreign, I guess. You know, you can be very, very Christian or very, very Muslim and still have anxiety. You can still have depression. It doesn't mean that you don't believe in your higher power just means like hey your brain and your body is going through something right that needs to be treated yeah and i, and I guess that you know there is a point in all of us i mean there is certainly and, and many of us actually 
to lean into our uh, spiritual uh, spirituality to 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 deal with the pressures of every day. But it's it's one of the many tools that we can use. Mm-hmm. I guess we we don't have to leave all the eggs on that basket. It doesn't mean anything against that, and it means mm-hmm. that it's it's one big tool and big resource of of release and uh, but it's also uh, it's also the opening to other uh, opportunities I, I'm, what I mean by this is when you when you lean into your uh, spiritual belief yeah. you know your theological belief there is not just you lean on that belief mm-hmm. there is the feedback there is a need to sort of um, look at yourself Take a good look at yourself uh, and, and evaluate yourself and say, what can I do to, to do better? Yeah. And mental health is, is also one of those aspects. What can I do to, to be better mentally? What can I do to have less stress? What can I do to help with this depression? What yeah. can I do? So so it's, it's a mirror. It's not just, uh, just saying, okay, well, pray it away. Uh, because prayer and action actually do have yes. a, a, an interconnection, and yes, one thing do. doesn't go without uh-huh. the other, right? Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a theologian, so I guess, <laughs> <laughs> I guess this, this, this hits. Feeling the spirit. <laughs> yeah, yes, this hits hard. Uh, but it, it is, you know, like it's not just faith, it's actions. Yep, absolutely. And those actions also, also mean, uh, well, if I need this help, where do I get the help, and what can I do to get the help, or what can I do to get the help to my to my brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, again, I, I don't want to go too much into this, but uh, if if that is one of the aspects, and it is maybe our own shame of mm-hmm. of what mental illness could be, um, or guilt, or feeling or like guilt. it's a punishment, you know, right? And that's not necessarily true. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, don't we believe in forgiving our sins? And again, I don't want to get theological on this, yeah. but it, but you know, if 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 we if we feel that something is wrong, we just try to fix it. Mm-hmm. And if we cannot fix it by ourselves, we then we we look for help yeah, for absolutely. others to fix it. And normalizing uh, looking for help for a mental wellness or what mental health needs essentially. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm having a little bit of a, a you know a, a, a chat with myself on this, but I, I think that this one particular thing of the stigma in the community mm-hmm. is perhaps one of the most important that for us to fight against and mm-hmm. to erase because it's preventing people from getting the help and uh, that they actually do need and yeah. it does save lives yes absolutely and another piece i was thinking about when it comes to challenges is representation representation does matter it's so important to me being a woman of color in the mental health and addiction profession in general mm. Because let alone um, a lot of teachers growing up that were African-American, let alone doctors, but people that you can relate to, even if it's just Mm. having a similarity that we do look alike, you know, in some ways you can empathize with me that other people that don't look like me can't, you know. Experiences that other people perhaps don't have and that you Mm -hmm. can understand better. Yeah, there is a level of empathy. Uh, Will you say that representation at this moment is high? uh, Oh, no, absolutely not. I can just think that even the clinic that I work for out of maybe 
let's say 12 other clinicians, I am part of four. Wow. Yeah, of people of color, you know, and that is significantly low considering that the population of people of color in Racine is so high. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, so it's not just, you know, um, treating the needs of the clients, but how are we helping different clinicians get the credentials that they need in order to be in the communities that they live in to service the people that look like them? Well, okay, so now that brings me to my next question, yeah. which is how do we um, integrate uh cultural competency into mm-hmm. mental health um, to serve precisely communities, uh, minority communities, uh, from um, perhaps a shared experience or a, or, or a level of trust, as you say at the, at the beginning, because mm-hmm. we, we, we have something in common that help, might help us. Yep. How do we do that? How do we go about cultural competency in mental health? I like to think that from the time you meet the client, you're treating a whole person. So your intake assessment, your treatment plan needs to encompass who they are as a person. So acknowledging their ethnicity, their cultural background. So if your assessment that you're doing right now does not ask people about their religious beliefs or their cultural needs, then add it right away, you know? Mm. So that way when they're coming to their appointments and they're talking about whether it's religion or um, traditions in their family, it's not like... A, a shock. It's or, not foreign to you. Yeah, or you're okay. not trying to um, make it part of their symptoms, if that makes sense. Wow. Yeah, because, like, for example, for Christians, they believe in the Holy Ghost. And right. for Hispanics, sometimes they believe in the day of the dead and things right. like that. So that's not them experiencing hallucinations next right. necessarily. It's just saying, like, hey, this is something I believe in in my heart. You know, I was reading um, an article uh, that actually spoke to that portion of um, that some cultural beliefs or some aspects actually can be ma- misdiagnosed mm-hmm. as mental illness. Or, yep. or, so, so that actually that is a very important part because then asking the question, or at least having some little knowledge of what the cultural background of that very person, of that particular individual might be, it might save us a lot of trouble later yes. on, and a lot, and it can provide a lot of understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, again, and I'm, I, I want to go back to this word because I think that this, this is important, trust yes. that that person can believe that you can work together. Mm-hmm. And that's when mandatory trainings come in. That's something else I wrote down. Um, inconsistent training. You know, mm. clients, you want them to come in and feel comfortable acknowledging who they are, things that they do on a regular basis, but they should not be your only source of education. Right. So if you know you work in um, a community that's predominantly African-American or, you know, Asian-American, Hispanics, things like that, you should become familiar with that area. Like, you right. know, what is more common for the north side or the south side? Where are the people you typically see? Like, you know, what's going mm. on in their communities, whether it's activities, whether it's programming, things that you can also refer them to, but also things that you can encourage them to stay away from. Mm. These are really, really important. So coming from the safety of your home just to work and nothing, not knowing anything in between, that's not really beneficial to your clients. Right. And so, yeah, and, and you shouldn't have to be a minority to, to know this stuff, mm-hmm. right? You should know your clientele. Yep. You know, it's Absolutely. as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is, okay. I, I, my, 
do you hear my brain exploding? Because it is exploding. Maybe the mic is not getting it, but I, it is <laughs> it's blowing up. It makes me feel good about my answers because I really put a lot of thought into these because I'm like, this is really important. And yeah. I would think about myself if I was being treated, you know, right. growing up in Milwaukee. I grew up on the north side. Mm. Statistically speaking of the north side of Milwaukee, you know, it's... African-American dominant, low socioeconomics. And it's like, okay, how does this woman get to the position she's in to be the assistant director at a clinic, having her right. own business? Like, what path did I take that was differently than other people? I think those are important questions. Yeah. So that way, if you meet other minorities or even non-people of color that are going through hardship you can right. empathize with them and you also can reassure them i had a lot of people in my corner that was encouraging me like hey you're mm. not your circumstances you're not where you come from and you can do great things sometimes that encouragement is a lot and we mm. were doing mental health care and we, before we even knew what mental health care was right mm -hmm. yeah oh wow yeah yeah you you're 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 uh, support groups, yes. your, your, the people around you that yes. are actually helping you. Mm -hmm. That is important. I, I, that's, uh, and I think that especially for minority communities, this is almost a natural build. Uh -huh. You know, your family, your friends, your cousins. You, you know, like the, there is a natural network of, yep. of support, uh, which then when you bring into the mental illness position or a mental health uh, situation, this is what could actually help you mm -hmm. in, in the future. But it's not enough. I mean, I mean professional help is still needed, yeah, especially in certain cases. Yeah, it's, help can be short-term. Like um, some of the clinics I know about, they have like crisis center. You don't have to commit to like six months to 12 months of treatment. Sometimes you could come in for short-term care. Like, hey, I'm gonna right. come for five to six sessions just to talk through my day-to-day -day problems. I think that's a big concern too, where it's like, do I have to sign over everything? Or right. is this like a significant time consumer? A lot of places are starting earlier and ending later to help people who are still employed and things like mm. that. I know insurance will always be a concern for a lot of people, Yeah, but more places are using a sliding scale too so mm, okay. even if you have to pay a small portion it's still worth it you know right well you know and, and speaking on this uh, because you were mentioning at the beginning of the conversation that um, the inequalities so social inequalities actually mm -hmm. do play a big role Absolutely. on the so so how, how do you think they affect the long term? Uh, you know, um, and I, I actually, again, I was reading this on an article as well uh, that where it speaks about, uh, you know, the, the financial difficulties and, and, and concerns, the lack of fresh food in certain areas, uh, you know, the, the difficulty of uh, having jobs that are well paid so all these aspects and all this stress uh, actually do affect our mental illness and yes, this is true it for weighs everybody on it heavily absolutely so so in, in minority communities and and this is another point of the article that i thought that i had not thought about before but it, it was interesting to me and it says especially with minority communities uh in, in big cities where uh, probably live in in areas that are you know um poor areas mm -hmm. and in and in the case of immigrants who actually are immigrating and most of them don't, don't have, have a job don't yeah. have a place to go so so these aspects uh, actually work against our mental health yes 
I, uh, there's a certain, this one this this one aspect that and you just mentioned it the insurance part mm-hmm. you know so if you don't have money if you don't have you don't have food in your on your table or you don't have a place to sleep insurance mm-hmm. is your last concern concern right yeah, absolutely. so so how do you think these things actually do or what role do they play and I guess I answered the question myself but what what role do they play on the long term mm-hmm. uh, mental Uh, health of, of minority communities. Okay. Yeah, that, that is a really good question. Um, I know something I like to think about is mental health for some cases can be acute and in a lot of cases it grows gradually. Like something you were just saying, like, hey, if you come to the United States and you're an immigrant, the chances are you were probably uprooted from your living situation. So that's mm-hmm. like one strike against you. You get to this new place, you may not know many people, that's another strike. So all right. these things are weighing on your mental wellness that can probably cause anxiety, depression, hopelessness, mm-hmm. you know? And once those things start, And there's nothing to disrupt some of that pressure. Right. That early intervention, like crisis care or um, case management, if those things are not implemented, it goes from being mild symptoms to moderate symptoms. Mm-hmm. And it can eventually go to severe symptoms where, like they say, um, from short term to right. long term mental health concerns. And you want to put so much pressure on your brain and it will change. It would change how it looks and would change the chemical balance in it. And wow. it can shift your quality of life as well. So early intervention is definitely important. And I hear what you're saying with um, the lack of ability to play, pay, excuse me. But a lot of counties have county-based, you know, mental health services. So if you go there and ask for help, they should be able to give you some resources. Mm. Or even if you have to add yourself to waiting list, get involved with those. I know places like, for example, NAMI Racine, we have those peer support groups. Right. Something yeah. to, to release some of that right. pressure until yeah. you can get the long-term care. It's taking the necessary steps you need to, you know, you know, mental health wellness in a, a better quality of living. You know, that's actually a really good point. And this is, I mean, yeah, NAMI Racine County does provide support groups that actually and, and all support groups in NAMI National are, are free of charge yes. to the participants Good. and, yeah. and they're precisely for that they don't replace therapy but they help you alleviate the, the, the pressure mm-hmm. while you are doing therapy yeah. uh, and, and I think One of the facts that our support groups are led by, by peers, by mm-hmm. people who are actually living that experience, provides that again. I, I, I just this is going to be my word for today. <laughs> that level of trust, <laughs> yes, absolutely, uh, of knowing that we have a shared experience mm-hmm. and that uh, uh, the, the slogan, the, mm-hmm. our phrase, and what we believe that you're not alone, yeah. that, that you are walking with other people, and you can be successful even mm-hmm. if you're living with a mental illness. It's not, it doesn't define you. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, it's something that you have. Mm-hmm. We have uh, our outreach coordinator always says, like, um, my mental illness is not even in the top 10 things that are cool about me. <laughs> and, I like you that. Know, yeah, I love, I love that because it's not, uh, it, it doesn't stop you in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's something that you live with. Yep. But you live with and many other things. And, uh, and I think, and this, you know, leading to my next question, 
is a, is a uh, you know we do have this this horrible stigma about mental illness, and it has diminished. Uh, in, in society in general, but among communities of color and minorities, uh, there is still high stigma. Yeah. Um, and there is still this belief that um, that that mental illness defines you. Like uh, everyone is crazy. Right. Like you can't di- diagnose someone with crazy. Yeah, <laughs> just, right. Just yeah. So you know. <laughs> also, why, I, I don't go to therapy. I'm not crazy. You know, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to, to yeah. do this. I'm because not going to talk about gonna, my problems. Right. Yeah. So, so how do we help minimize this stigma in, mm-hmm. in our communities? Uh, because again, this is I, what I believe stops a lot of people mm-hmm. uh, from from seeking treatment, yeah. and unfortunately, this again costs lives uh, or, or can ruin a life yeah. uh, for somebody. So, how do what do we do to address this stigma and among the minority communities it's acknowledged that therapy is a form of treatment it's no diff it's different in some capacities but just like if you were getting treated for a cold you're getting treated for you know diabetes or cancer this is something you will really like run to the doctor to get treated and that's the urgency we need for mental health and i mm. like to explain for to everyone that we all have mental health but how we take care of our mental health needs is like the clarifier right there, you know, you you can have either a mental health issue or you can have a mental health episode or you can have a long-term mental health illness, but we all mm-hmm. have some form of mental health needs. Right. Yeah. We all go through. Yeah. Through some kind yeah, of- absolutely. So advertisement. I like everyone's on social media all day, every mm. day. So advertisement, whether it's a little meme, a little catchphrase, like, right. hey, did you check in with yourself today? Right. Or did you encourage yourself, you know, check on your friend. I love seeing those little posts, you know, when I am on my social media websites. Um, I notice when I go to the doctor's office lately, I'll see like the the crisis helpline, the suicide right. prevention helpline. I'm like, you know what? I remember going to the doctor younger. I, I would never see that stuff around, right. you know, posters around the community. I think that's eye-catching where people can discreetly reach out if they wanted to. You know, right. you can text message if you don't have a smartphone or haven't, it'd be available to multiple people on the same platforms. Right. That's that's the nine eight eight support line, yep. and uh-huh. and it's not. I mean, you you don't. It is very private, and and yep. you can actually talk to somebody to a professional right there mm-hmm. uh, without having to go anywhere else. Yeah. And and this is important. I mean, I, I want again to repeat it for our listeners. This is nine eight eight, and it's a crisis support line. Yeah. It's different to nine one one. It's not the same. Is mm-hmm for people who are having who are going through a crisis a mental health crisis um, so write that down because yeah. if you need it it's is it's very it's a very good resource to have yeah and 211 if you were to call them too they can also connect you with other mental health or addiction care services as well even for the LBGCQIA you know community it's definitely a lot of resources out there 211 does have now, now uh, and that's that's the question I asked you before. Uh, so, when it comes down to the LGBTQ community, and we just had our previous episode was precisely on, on pride and 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 the particular issues that uh, yeah. the LGBTQ community uh, goes through uh, because of social pressure and all, and so on. Um, in the case of minorities who are part of the community, uh, what is 
and, and I don't know if you have a number or, or, or an idea, exact idea, but what would you say is, 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 is the, major, the most pressuring uh, mental health issues that uh, go through communities, especially? I mean, because we're adding the maybe the stigma of, um, of mental health mm -hmm. uh, that is already prevalent in, a, in our minority communities, and also you're having the social issues that being part of the community belong, mm -hmm. uh, bring to it. So what would you say is like, and, and how do we reach out to them? How do we reach out to people who need help um, because of all these stocking elements? Yeah. I would say isolation is mm. one of the main concerns. Mm. You know, I'll just get through it myself or I'm mm. not going to tell anyone. Um, the, I'm doing quotations because, you know, coming out of the closet is right. more difficult for some people than other, you right. know, especially with their network people. If they they don't know or they're not comfortable with it, it's like, how do I get the space to do that, you know? Right. And we have HIPAA requirements, you know? Mm. So if you were to talk to a helping professional, they're not going to out you or anything like that. So right. that's definitely something you can look into. It's a lot of anonymous groups to um, do the LBGTQ centers in Racine and Milwaukee where you can go to groups or you can talk to a mental health professional and you don't have to disclose any private information about yourself if that makes you comfortable. So there's resources where it's steps. Right. That's yeah. something I definitely um, wrote down is psychoeducation, you know, plan it out there to people in ways where they don't feel like, you know what, it's too vulnerable for me where I have to take the step back where I'm, I'm just too afraid. Mm, right. Wow. Okay. Psychoeducation. Mm -hmm. I, I like what, another word that I'm going to write down for, for this episode. Mm -hmm. Now, how, how, in the case of um, mental health professionals, how can they uh, how can they address the intersectionality of race, ethnicity, and other identities uh, when treating minority patients? And then, and you mentioned something before that I thought it was key, uh, mm -hmm. and is the 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 part of get to know mm -hmm. the person, yeah. uh, so get to know to know their background. Mm -hmm. But, but it occurs to me, it's also do not assume. Yes, absolutely. Like, I'm a person of color, you're a person of color, but our interpretations of the world can be totally different. Right. And it might be things that we are really passionate about that are alike to, you know? Right. So going right. through those questions, it's not just to know where they come from or what they've been through, but it's to find those commonalities, too, so you can build on that. That creates trust. That creates rapport. That makes me think, like, hey, when I come in, I'm coming to your appointment. Coming to the appointments, that hey, no matter how far out the comments I make or mm. jokes, it's not just taken as oh, you're having a mental health episode. But I oh, can see right. the human in you. you right. know, I can see your challenges. But let's try this. You know. And I want you to go home and try these coping skills, mm -hmm. these strategies. And you come back and you tell me how did, how, how did it go. Wow. Which is, again, building trust mm -hmm. between one and the other. Knowing yep. that we are here together, you know, walking this path. Yep. Wow. Well, thank you for this conversation. I mean, this has been um, eye-opening in many ways. Yes, uh, thank it, you. And uh, before we, we close our episode today, is there anything else you'd like to share with our Yes, listeners? please. Just a couple more points. Acknowledging race does matter. I think that's a mm -hmm. big thing. Some people like to say, like, I don't see color. 
But when you say things like that, you're saying you don't see that person, you know, because right. we are a big part of who we are is our right. ethnicities. Yeah. You can't look at a white person. Somebody might say I'm Irish. Somebody might say I'm English. So right. I don't want to, like you said, I don't want to make those assumptions. So what does that mean for you? And um, to be honest about your lack of knowledge. Like I mentioned earlier mm. in the conversation, it's not meant for the clients to be your only source for education, but it's okay for them to explain their interpretation of being a part of a, a church community or their interpretation mm. of being a Rossinian, you know? All oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, all those different aspects yes, that kind of yes, yes. hit mm-hmm. you in different ways. And they somehow shape uh, your, your own perspectives about yourself and Mm -hmm. the community that you live in. Yeah, because if you start asking yourself questions, you uncover your own biases, your own stereotypes, and start to begin to really do the work of holding yourself accountable for how you treat people. People are people, after all. Isn't that the truth? Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is is the beauty of the different. And Mm -hmm. and I think uh, as long as we can embrace that beauty... um, we can just appreciate the differences as something that unites us more than something that separates us. Yes, absolutely. That was really beautiful said, Carlos. That was nice. <laughs> thank you. I've been practicing these days. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you again yes, very absolutely. much for this. And, um, and and thank you for serving our board. And, and thank you for all you do for the community. Thank um, you. And, you know, thank you for being part of our Compassionate Conversation. Anytime. anytime. <laughs> well, uh, thank you to our listeners. And this has been Carlos Freit with Shabaris Mays. Until our next compassionate conversation. Take care. Compassionate Conversations is brought to you in a partnership with United Way of Racine County. Thank you for your support. Nami Rosin County is a local affiliate of the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Our vision is to create a compassionate community where all people affected by mental illness live healthy, fulfilling lives. Nami Rosin County provides advocacy, education, support, and public awareness so that all individuals and families affected by mental illness can build better lives. Visit us at www.namirasincani.org for more information on mental health and related activities.